Fit Nation. It's Fit Nation. Awesome. This daytime, that's hard to find, it's true The road we're on in a traffic jam It's a sunny drive on a piece of land It's paradise as long as I'm with you It's like one, two, three Just as easy as can be Just the way you look at me Make me smile Ain't no need to complicate it We both know If you are a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you're leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or embarrassed to talk to someone that you know, call the anonymous hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and take option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps to include the Military Broadcast Radio app. And check out our family of shows. They're all hosted by veterans. Great shows. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is an award-winning, internationally known speaker, author, professor, and certified man-builder who helps men with what matters and frustrates them most about it as husbands, fathers, and spiritual leaders. He has authored or co-authored more than nine books, including Man Accomplished, Are You the Man? And the Man, and then the Real Man Spiritual Leader Blueprint. He's also host of the number one radio podcast for Christian men on Apple Podcasts with more than 1.9 million downloads. And he's interviewed more than 475 men from all over the world, from company presidents to prison inmates. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Joe Martin to the Misfit Nation. 
Welcome, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing great, Rich. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I feel privileged, honored, and humbled to be on your show. So I'm glad to be here, man. Awesome. Humble is one of our go words here. Stay, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. That's what we like to say here. So humble is awesome. And it's uh, in the pre-show, we learned that we, we live within the same state, the great state of Tennessee, the volunteer state. I'm, you know, I'm middle, you're east, but that doesn't make anything different. We're still in the orange land here. So welcome, welcome to the show. And uh, I'm glad we're able to get this connection. Yeah, I mean, volunteer country, man. I, I'm not originally from Tennessee. I'm from Miami, Florida, but um, I met a woman. So, Rich, I, I'm here, and I've been here now. It'd be 10 years this August, and I tell you, man, it was probably one of the – it was an, uh, a really tough decision to leave Florida because I grew up in Florida my whole life, went to school in Florida for all my degrees and families in Florida. And when I met this woman, we had to decide whether to go to Florida or come to Tennessee. And I listened to what God was speaking to my heart, going like Abraham, going without knowing. And I went to Tennessee, man, it was the – best decision I ever made and launch what I'm doing now. If I, I don't think I would have done what I'm doing now if I didn't move to Tennessee. Definitely. And the views in Eastern Tennessee with the mountains there, it, it's amazing. Beautiful. But, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Coming right through there in Chattanooga. That's beautiful. Yeah. You, you picked a good spot there to stay and uh, I mean, Florida is a little sunnier, a little hotter, but it's, <laughs> and I don't, and I do not miss the humidity and the heat in Florida, man. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, Joe, if you don't mind to, Share with the Misfit Nation a little bit about uh, how you got going from as far back as you want to go to where we are now, what you're doing. Well, you know, I'll keep the shortest version. I, I, I know everybody has a story and everybody, I love listening to other people's story, but I know that they didn't just come to hear my story, but I'm sure that as I share briefly my story, the highlights of it, um, you can go and dig in any place that you want to, that you want me to share um, with your listeners. But the way I describe what, what I, my story, Rich, is pretty much in one sentence is that I went from rags to riches to ruin to redemption. And I, I know there's a lot of R's in that alliteration, but it is absolutely 100% right on target. Um, the rags part of my story, I mentioned Miami, but I didn't mention what part of Miami I grew up in. I grew in the toughest inner city um, ghettos in Miami, Florida, in a place called Liberty City. And if you ever heard of a video game called Grand Theft Auto, then you're probably familiar with Liberty City. Or if they're old heads like me over the age of 50, if you ever heard of a rap group called Two Live Crew, then they've heard of Liberty City. <laughs> and so um, I grew up there. My mom was a teenage mother at the age of 16. By the time she was 17, had two kids, no husband. My dad left, um, wasn't there when I was growing up. And everything that's associated with growing up in poverty, we experienced from not eating to watching some of my friends die, um, addiction, um, abuse, um, you name it, we experienced it. Um, but that was the rags part, the riches part. I, I use rich because it's a great alliteration, but I wasn't like a millionaire. But given the fact that, we're, that no one in our family ever graduated from high school, um, I ended up graduating from college early at the age of 20, top of my university class, out of 10,000 students on my campus. Um, I became the youngest professor ever had to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24. Started my first business at the age of um, 22. Um, moved my mom out of the project and bought her home a year after I graduated from college, bought my first house when I was a senior in college, um, worked for the Florida governor's office at the age of 26, um, had my PhD by the time I was 28, had written two books before I reached the age of 30. So I wasn't like, like Jay-Z or Jeff Bezos rich, but considering where I came from, man, come on, you know, that was unheard of for me to have that kind of success so fast. But I had it all by the age of 30, and that was the rags to riches part. But the ruined part is rich. I lost it all by the time I reached the age of 40. And that was due to my addiction to porn, um, sex, and women. And it was ridiculous. I, I, I had to come up with a phrase to kind of give people a picture of how bad I, I was. I call it, I was a serial adulterer. Um, not something I'm proud of in the term I had to come up with because they said, why did you call it a serial adulterer? Um, like a serial killer, when they lose track of the bodies, they can't remember where they bury all the bodies. Um, I wasn't Wilt Chamberlain, Rich, but um, could have been his apprentice. <laughs> Man, um, I I just went crazy. I can't even remember the women that I've been with. And the fact is, I was I don't even drink alcohol and I never do drugs. So this was all sober and I can't remember. Oh, wow. it, it was just ridiculous. And all it was was a desperate attempt for me to um, hide and um, cover up the shame, the guilt, from my past, I was sexually abused as a child for three years growing up, and nobody knew about it. 
uh, watching six of my friends murdered in front of me, all that PTSD trauma, and I never shared it with anybody and I internalized it. That's why I succeeded so well, because I thought you make enough money, you succeed. Nobody's ever going to ask you about your past other than how'd you achieve the success that you had. And so I ended up ruining a 16 year marriage um, to my childhood sweetheart um, who has saved herself for me for marriage and imagine becoming a serial adulterer with that woman. And I desperately tried to save my marriage, but it was too late. And um, my life was ruined. I thought there was nothing else for me to do except because um, I, I even thought about committing suicide. It was so bad because how do you have it all? How do you start with nothing, have it all, then lose it all? And you're right back where you started. And but God spared my life, showed me grace and mercy. And I just figured I'd ride off into the sunset and be a cautionary tale. Just, hey, don't be this guy. Don't be me, you know. But God had other plans for me because he introduced me to a man who changed my life, who um, mentored, coached, and discipled me on how to be a real man, how to be a husband, how to be a father and lead your family in a way that's pleasing to God. And when I say that changed my life, that's the, that's the biggest understatement <laughs> in the world because it turned into a now a worldwide global men's organization where we help men become better men. And we teach them by mentoring, coaching, training, accountability, counseling, helping them with their trauma, all this other stuff. And we do it in community as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. So I'm now living in the redemption phase. I'm now remarried. Um, um, I have a, a daughter that's not my biological daughter, but you can't convince her. I was just telling you that before we came on the air that I just went to a concert with her. She's not my biological daughter, but her dad left when she was five and stepped out on her. And then she meets me. And um, it was tough trying to build trust with her, but um, she now has my last name and she's so proud of it. And we just went to a concert together. She's now in college, 19 years old. We just went to a concert together. And my son runs a nonprofit organization helping inner city kids nice. now introduce them to this, um, the sport of rock climbing. Wow. And so um, God redeemed my life. Um, I still have to live with the consequences of my choices because I don't like talking about it a lot, but I know it sets men free. But that's how it also gives us credibility with the men that we reach, because they're pretty much I haven't done everything, but it's nothing a man can tell me that I haven't even tried or I don't know somebody who did it. You know, so I can relate well to a man from so many different backgrounds. And if you saw our men's organization, which you would think I, this is what I describe. I said we look like heaven, not church. Some listeners will get that later. <laughs> okay, But we it's very, very diverse. We have people from um, Hong Kong, uh, UK, Australia, Guatemala, Canada, um, Honduras, um, all over the country. And this amazing thing, because we don't look the same, we don't sound the same, but we all have the same issues and they come together to help each other. So that's my rags to riches to ruin to redemption story. And obviously there are four main chapters, but each one was vital in my development as a man. Definitely. And uh, I, it's like you were on a, a roller coaster of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> start at the bottom on the, the teacups, I guess. And the, you got on that, that launch and that roller coaster by 30, you had it all. And then you went in that spiral. Yeah, like man. And you, you were sober, but still didn't remember things because it's a, still an addiction. Yeah. Blank out everything that's, I guess, the peripherals. So you don't see what actually you're going through. And, and you've witnessed it firsthand to, to come out on the other side and, and now have that redemption that you have now from 40 till now. Yeah, that's, that speaks volumes to you as a person. And to the person that mentored you when you were coming out of that fog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it, I, if anything, I learned from the whole experience is that as long as you're breathing, it's never too late to become the man that God has created and made you to be. Um, if there's breath in your body, that means you still got a chance because I thought my life was over. Um, and now I'm in this new chapter and I actually believe that I got a lot, a lot more years ahead of me. Um, to make a difference and make an impact in men's lives. So, you know, of course, I, if I could go back, people said, you know, I hear people say this all the time, Rich, if I can go back, I wouldn't change a thing because it made me the man I am today. No, listen to me and listen to me clearly. You crazy for saying that. If I can go back and change everything, I would. <laughs> because people say, why would you go back and change it? No, because you're assuming that God could not have gotten me here no other way. And the thing is, no, I wouldn't go back and commit adultery on my ex-wife because it's going to, put me in a good place later on I wouldn't break up my son's family and see him destroyed because his dad couldn't keep his you know what in his pants uh, I wouldn't have broken so many relationships 
And if you look at the people, people who tell you that they're not being sincere when they tell you they wouldn't change a thing. Why wouldn't you? Why would you want to go back and commit murder? Why would you want to go back and rape somebody? Why would you want to go back to prison? Why would you, why would you do that? No, I would like to make better decisions, believing in a God that is sovereign, that could still put me in the place I am now with less headaches and drama and trauma. <laughs> trauma, trauma, headaches, all of them go together. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. And uh, you, you have books out now, you have your men's group. You talked about your worldwide men's group. You said uh, people from Hong Kong, UK, Australia, around the world. I spoke to a man just a few days ago from Australia who has a men's group there. He thought he was the only person having this trouble. Mm-hmm. He was like, woe is me and down. And he finally just, he talked to another man and he's like, I had the same issue, bro. Maybe we should talk to each other. And now they have, they go on retreats with each other. They get in a circle and they, each month they talk about an issue. It doesn't have to be the issue that bothers that one person, but an issue. And they all feed into it to, help each other to grow. And I think that's kind of what you do with your men group, men's group as well. Yeah. You know, you mentioned about that guy in Australia who thinking, man, I'm the only one. I had a guest on my show. His name was Ron Archer. Um, great um, speaker and orator. And he said that Joe, the problem with men, he said, we suffer from uh, uh, a disease called terminal uniqueness. <laughs> it says where we believe we're the only one. And what I think guys um, misinterpret is that we look at our stories and our stories have details that's going to be different from everybody's details. And because Rich, you and I didn't come from the same background. You didn't grow up in Miami. You didn't grow up in the hood. But here's now, so we can look at our differences. You're white, I'm black. Um, I'm I'm older than you or you're just a really young looking old guy. (laughs) So I'm older than you. But but here's the thing. We can't relate to each other's story, per se, because our story, the details of our stories are different. But guess I just met you for the first time. But I can almost reassure you and any man out there listening, listening right now that you felt alone. You've been depressed. You felt betrayed by people who you trusted. You've been rejected. You've been confused. You've been afraid. You felt ashamed. You felt guilt. You felt being lost. You felt sadness and hurt. Now, even though our stories are different, see, that's why we're so diverse in our organization because we don't attract men based on their stories. We attract them based on their struggles. And when we get together, like you said, that guy in Australia, he said, man, man, you gotta, hey, we can talk about this stuff together. Yeah, because we're not talking about the details of our story. We're talking about the struggles it is to have as a man with your wife, with your kids, with your friends, in your community, on your job, with your finances, with your health, who can't relate to that? But the thing is, we rather, and the reason why we focus on our stories, because at the same time, we, we don't say it out loud, but we're looking for sympathy. We're looking for empathy. We're looking, oh, feel, you know, I want you to feel a certain way for me. And that's really a cry for help that I really want you to love me. I really want you to comfort me. I really want you to encourage me. And that's not something that we as men feel comfortable doing all the time. But when we share our struggles and we're working together, man, there's strength in the struggle. And if you can get men to talk about their struggles or go through struggles together, they build a real, real tight bond. Think military, think law enforcement, think athletic sports. Why are they so close? They come from different backgrounds, different stories, but they share the same struggles, two a days boot camp, you know, basic training, all this stuff is, is we're struggling together and we're winning together. And I think if men unite based on that, you will see less problems in society today, especially when it comes to race and social issues, because we're focusing on the superficial, but we're not focusing on the core issues. That's exactly what I was going to say. That, that's one of the major issues with our society, especially in the United States right now. Everything has to have a label. Yeah. Labeled. If we stop the superficial labeling, and just sit, sit down, have a coffee with each other, and talk. We're going to find something that we're both having a problem with. And we have that coffee, maybe two coffees, a coffee a week, and we'll settle that problem. And then our circle will actually grow because there'll be it will grow. Time. Absolutely. Dude sitting next to us, like, hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, okay, hey, what y'all, yeah, <laughs> with you guys too, and say, hey, we have the same problem. Maybe we should grow. I have some friends that have the same problem. And then all of a sudden, we have a whole congregation around each other. Absolutely. And and I think that's why I I love what we do with men and and other organizations similar to ours who are trying to do the same thing. 
I have a saying where it's that um, a man is only as strong as the number of stronger men he has on his team. And so when I see a man, I don't care how strong he is, I don't care how strong he sounds or what other people think of him. My question to him is, who's on your team? If you don't have foxhole friends or those I got your back buddies, um, those uh, ride or die dudes in your life, who are you going to when you're about to fall apart? Who do you feel confident and comfortable with talking to um, and not feel um, afraid that they're going to lose respect for you because you are at a moment of weakness? And man, when you have guys like that who you can open up your heart to and not be afraid of being judged and condemned by them, man, they're just strengthen that. And people meet me and they think I'm so confident. I say, no, you think I'm confident, but you don't see the team of men on my team. You just see me in your presence, but I'm representing hundreds and hundreds of men who I know that if something ever, if I needed anything, or I'll put out, I'll go to this extreme, extreme. If I thought about divorcing my wife, there'd be at least 50 men on my lawn saying, not, you got to go through us to do it. There's power in having men like that in your life who will not only um, lift you up, but call you out when you need it. And man, I wish that's the gift I wish I could give to every man out there listening is that you do not have to do life alone. Um, and we'd like to believe we can, but even um, the Lone Ranger had Tonto. He wasn't by himself. You know, we all need somebody. And so, and it starts like you just said, Rich, by sharing what your struggles are with other guys who can relate to the struggles. Now, notice we didn't say women. We said men, mm-hmm. the men. I'm not saying you should ignore talking to women, but a man needs to hear from another man. A man needs to be called to step up by another man. I, it's something different than hearing my mom say, oh, you can be anything you want to be or hear my dad say it. There's a difference. I can't explain it. It's just, in, it's just in us. When a man affirms you, you actually believe it right. when he says you have what it takes. When mom tells you, you feel like oh, it's, I'm getting some soup in a sandwich right now. Dad, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dad on the back and moving forward. Yeah, so I got this. You know, that's what you have to do. And the same thing with your, with the brotherhood. When you're out there, like you said, military, we had strong bonds and those bonds became stronger as we went through different struggles together. And mm-hmm. that's how the Misfit Nation grew through those struggles. And that's right. it started 2010 on the battlefield. And now here we are, what, 12 years later, and we're still going pretty strong. Praise God. Lots of young men. There's young women too that pushed us along and uh, really yelled at us uh, enough to make us happy, I guess, and move us forward. But it, we're doing great. So, as men, you know, we have a, we talked about women and having them affirm us, but I know a lot of men have a big issue communicating with their wives or mm-hmm. listening to them, actually hearing them, but right. muting them out. How can we do that better to build that relationship better with our wives as men? You know, I want to bless the listeners because, um, and I got to tell you, I have an unfair advantage in this area because um, I got more degrees than a thermometer, Rich. <laughs> but my undergrad degree was in communication, um, in power relations. Um, my master's degree was in mass communication. I worked as a communication director for the Florida governor's office. Um, I'm a professional public speaker. So obviously you see there's a, there's a theme of communication. I was a professor of communication at the university level at two different colleges. So I don't struggle with communicating, but most men do. I'm the exception, not the rule. And so I'm going to bless your listeners by letting them, I'm going to step out for not being me and teach them how to effectively communicate, which is going to bless them. And and this sounds counterintuitive, communicate less. (laughs) Here's how, and what I mean by that, do less talking and more listening. Now, how do you communicate less? Ask more questions, then shut up. <laughs> That's all you got to do. You'll be surprised and shocked. Now, I can go on all day talking to people because I, I just, my mind thinks like that and I know how to put words together. But most men are not that way. Most men, like, I don't know how to express how I feel. I don't know how to talk about my emotions. Joe, uh, you know, I write poetry. I can put words together, man. If I, I, if I would have gone to music, I could have been a rapper. Because I love putting where I'm a wordsmith. And so, but most men are not that way. So here's how we train our men to communicate. And they love it. They say, wait a minute, I can actually communicate more with my wife by talking less? Yes. By listening, by asking more questions and listening. Let me give you an example. Um, my wife, she's not home right now, but she's going to be home probably looking at the clock right now. Eh, about an hour. 
out of for now. Now I can talk to the cows come home. It's no big deal. But I even do what because I'm not, but I'm like, she ain't here, but I'm gonna say it now. I don't feel like talking. <laughs> I've been talking all day. I'm on the doggone podcast, you know. So even though I can, I don't feel like it. So when my wife comes home today, here's what I'm gonna ask her. You ready for it? Yeah. My wife comes home, other than baby, how was your day? Da 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 da. da. I start with Tanya. What can you thank God for today? What what can you be thankful for today? Now, I'm going to help your men memorize this because they won't forget it because they may be trying to take notes. And if they're driving, you don't want them writing. <laughs> Think of the word love, okay? L-O-V-E. Now, I asked her, what are you thankful for today? Now, what, is, what does that got to do with L? Something that she, I, I call it, for, for us, we are believers. We believe in God. So Jesus is Lord in our lives. I want to know what she's thankful to God for. So I'm thinking L, Lord. But if you love your wife, Think for the L, what did you love to, about your day today? I want to see the, what gratitude she has. Because I don't know what kind of day she's had when she gets home tonight. But I do want to find out, did she see the blessing in it? Are you following me? Now, she may tell me there's nothing. <laughs> that, so tell me more about that. Now, we haven't gotten to the other questions, but you see what I'm getting ready to do? Well, what happened? And what am I doing, Rich? Shutting up. Sitting and listening. I'm just sitting and listening. And so while she's talking... And say she finishes now, tell me what was great about her day today, what she's thankful for. Now we go to the O, okay? And I want to know, I said, can I get your opinion on something? Are you following me? Yes. Now, the L is focusing on gratitude. The O is letting her know I value her because I want to get her thoughts. Now, it could be something that I dealt with today. It could have been with the kids. It could have been on the podcast. It could have been in the ministry. It could have been in anything that I was doing. Tanya, let me get your, you know what? I met this guy named Rich on Misfit Nation, and he asked me these questions, and, and man, they were so tough, and I didn't know, and I, and I thought, I didn't know what to do, and I just froze, and how do you think I should have handled that? How could I have handled that better? Now, Rich, more than like, I know the answer, but I want her to know I value her opinion. I want to get her perspective on it. So now I ask the question, what do I do, Rich? Shut up. <laughs> right? And I just listen. Now, if she happens to say something that's interesting in that, why would you do it that way? Why did you suggest that? I tell you, that's a great, I never, what made you think of that? I'm showing interest. But all I'm doing, but you keep saying, I keep asking another question. What made you say that? How'd you think of that? Wow, that is fantastic. Have you ever done that before? Are you following me? I'm asking more questions. So we got two out the way, okay? So we got what she was thankful for. That's the L. What did she love about her day-to-day? Some gratitude. Tell me about, uh, give me your opinion on something, all right? Or if you want to use another O, it could be a missed opportunity. Any opportunity came your way today that you that you took advantage of or you missed. You can be as creative as you want to with this, Rich. It doesn't matter. Now let's go to the V. The V is looking for vulnerability. Tanya, what was your biggest struggle today? What, what got to you today? What really did you battle with today? What challenged you today? See, I'm looking at, I'm getting her to be vulnerable. Now, we as men don't like to be vulnerable, women do. And so I'm giving her permission to share her heart with me. And guess what most women do like to communicate? She's going to tell you because she wants to tell her girlfriend, girl, let me tell you how I feel today. Let me tell you what happened to me today. And boy, I almost lost my mind. Da-da-da. So I'm asking, I'm giving her a chance now to vent about something because a lot of times she may think, I know he doesn't want to hear me complain about this, but now I'm giving her permission to tell me what she struggled with. Vulnerability is the V. Now, of course, if she shares something she struggled with, I can go deeper. That's called digging questions. She gives you a question, she gives you an answer and you dig for more information. Or you can ask a clarifying question around it. What do you mean by that? Now, you notice, Rich, all the stuff I'm talking about, I haven't said much. Not at all. I haven't talked about my day. I haven't talked about anything on my heart. All I've been doing is talking to her, getting her to talk and get the rest of her words out because she wants to talk to somebody and he wants to be, she wants to be her husband. Now, the last one, I got to warn the men. That's the E, okay? And you got to be brave to ask this question, but it's a great question to ask. The E stands for express. Is there something, Tanya, is there something that you wanted to um, to talk to me about or ask me about that you're afraid to ask? 
guess what I just did? I get some maybe weighing on her heart. Man, I really need to talk to Joseph about this, but I know he's going to lose his mind if I ask him about that. He doesn't want to ask. And then I ask that question. <gasps> yeah, what is it that you wanted to express or talk to me about that you've been afraid to bring up? Now, you see why I say men got to be careful about that. You got to be ready to receive what she's about to say. Yes. Again, she would tell you, what can you do? Dig for more information by asking another follow-up question to get her to clarify, what do you mean by that? I was, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, I'm going through this rather quickly. Do you know this easily can kill an hour? <laughs> Are you following me? And you, and you probably, if you had to look, if you had to actually count the number of words spoken by both people, male and female, within that hour period, I guarantee you it'll probably be five times, at least five times more words than you spoke. But yet, how did your wife feel at the end of that conversation? Wow, Rich, really? Wow, what's gotten into me? Really? Man, he was such, it was such a, a joy to talk to him. And he was so attentive. And he, wow, you wasn't a great conversationalist. You just played talk show host. That's all you did. You just asked questions. And so I think by taking the stigma out of this communication is this big, scary monster. No, it's how you look at it. And if you look at it from the standpoint of getting them to talk by asking the right questions. And Rich, we've gone so to the extreme that we even have a list of questions, about 50 questions called conversation icebreakers that you can bring up to your wife to talk about. So you don't have to do a lot of talking. And so a lot of our guys use that <laughs> to on their way. I told them that you would never use all of them. I created and I still haven't used all of them over the last 15 years. Because most times you won't get to all of those questions. Okay. But at the same time, your wife will feel that you're a communicator, that she's because then what's going to happen eventually, she'll start asking you questions. But I'm telling you, it works like a charm. Men need to focus on asking questions and listening more sit back and listen and receive and then That's listen right, and receive. Not listen at all. It's the best way to do it, I think. So on top of all that, what are the misconceptions of manhood that we, we as men face growing up? You know, we talked about the growing up mom, dad issues and affirmation from women, affirmation from men. But what other misconceptions are out there that men need to watch out for as far as the, their minefield of life? Oh man. Um, I, I'm throwing myself under the bus on this one because um, I've committed all of them. <laughs> and, and, and what it comes down to that the simple answer is what the misconception is that we have to stop finding our identity in things outside of what we were created for. Are you following me? Um, I, I, I'm a believer. I have a lot of faith in um, God. I believe in God. And I get my identity from God of who God says I am not everything else, not society, not the culture, not my family, not my friends, not my enemies, but from him. Um, and people say, why is that such a big deal? Why, why is that such a big deal? Because let me tell you the mistakes that I made as a man. And it goes back to the rags to riches. Because I was wounded and I was hurt. Um, you're talking about going through sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, loss of life of friends or close friends. You start having doubts about yourself your masculinity about everything so the thing is what we start doing is we're on this mad search to find our identity and here's how most men find their identity it's not the only way we look for it but i'm sure the men out there listening will say man i'm in one of those are you following me because okay. let's start with the most basic thing that most men define themselves by this is what the misconceptions how it starts in society just feeds it the media feeds it um our family feeds it um, friends feed it. The culture feeds this false identity that's found in number one, our occupation. I call it the Asians, Rich. Occupation. Um, if you get on a plane with someone, people don't ask you your name first. Guess what they ask you if you're a dude? What do you do? do? So we define ourselves based on what we do. There's a different now. Think about this: a man who says I'm a brain surgeon, or a man says. I'm a manager and a man says, I'm unemployed. I'm between jobs. You don't think he feels a certain kind of way. Or he thinks people feel a certain kind of way about him when he says that because he's getting his worth and his value from his occupation based on what he does, which transitions to the next Asian by asking you what you do. And if you get your identity from your occupation, 
Now, some men define their identity based on their compensation. Compensation. Now, we don't ask people how much money they make, but if you tell me what you do, I can kind of get a ballpark. If you tell me you're an elementary school teacher, I know you ain't rich. Are you You ain't wealthy. You know, so as opposed to, man, I run a construction company or contracting company. And so occupation, compensation. So think about this. I'm coming up from the hood and then I become a professor at the age of 24, the youngest in the state. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And guess what? When I meet meet you on a plane and you ask me what I do and I tell you I'm a professor and I look like I can be a, I'm a child, <laughs> like one of your children, you're thinking, whoa, impressive. See, that's the reaction I want to get based on my occupation. I'm impressing you. Man, think of how much cloud I, I had, which when I was working for the Florida governor's office. And I I'm, I'm look like I just got out of high school and I'm the communication director for the governor. That carried some weight. Are you following me? Occupation. And even though that wasn't a great paying job, people got to say, well, he ain't broke. And he's a college professor with a PhD, which goes to the next one, education. Are you following me? Occupation, compensation, education. Now, we're not just talking about formal education. We're talking about just intelligence because there's people who never went to college smarter than I am. And, but that gives us status because we know more than someone else. You know, those people who are well-read, people who've traveled the world, they may not even have degrees, but they know more than you do because they've been exposed to more. And that they get their identity from, I'm smart. I'm the smartest man in the room when I step into it. I've been more places. I've done more things. I can impress people. All you got to do is play a game of trivia pursuit. And you'll see how impressive it could be. Wow, that dude knows everything. And so education, I put that around intelligence. But it could be formal education. It could just be being wiser than anybody around. I get my identity from that. And you can see now how my life followed this pattern. Occupation, conversation. I was making over a quarter of a million dollars when I was in my 20s. And I never dribbled a basketball before. Are you following me? <laughs> and so I'm doing it based on intelligence, on my education. Then we got reputation. Reputation. That's how popular we are, how famous we are, how many people know us, how many people um, respect us, how many Twitter followers do you have, how many views do you get on YouTube? Now, you had mentioned when you introduced about our show being the top um, podcast um, on Christ for Christian men on Apple Podcasts. Guess what that built that goes towards? If I found my identity in reputation, you get it? Oh, he must be important. Because he's now, oh, it ain't 1.9, it's 2.3 million now. Are you following me? And we, and guess what? I had to say that because I'm concerned about my reputation. You get it now? Yeah. And so we, we're defined. All these are the misconceptions because all these things don't last. You can lose a job. Guess what? The economy can go south. Education, no, they can't take an education from you, but you can have a brain injury. Right. You can uh, get Alzheimer's. And you forget all the stuff you know. But reputation, you know how fickle that is. Well, we live in a cancel culture. Say the wrong thing. Done. And you, you're done. <laughs> reputation. And if you got your identity in that, you're depressed. You may be suicidal. We still haven't heard from Will Smith. <laughs> Are you fine? <laughs> reputation. That dude's on top of the freaking world. And then we have the um, fifth Asian, intimidation. These are the men who, when we define ourselves based on our strength, on how, what kind of fear can we provoke in others? Can we get people to, um, do we have power and influence over other people? Now, I'm not a very big guy, but even I struggle with this because I'm not a big guy. Got what that Napoleon complex thing they got. <laughs> so my thing is, what can I do? Oh, Joe is important because he has all these contacts. Yeah. You don't want to get on Joe's bad side because, man, he can stop you from getting an opportunity. So when I'm working for the governor's office, do you know that I had a lot of intimidation <laughs> Work for the governor's office? If people wanted to get funded, they wanted to get the governor's ear, they had to smooth me. And if they got me mad, Joe won't let us talk to the governor. You see what I mean? So we got a level of intimidation. We even do it in the home with our families. Dad is coming home. Everybody gets quiet because you got to walk on eggshells. Because dad will snap and lose it. And boy, don't, don't let him start drinking. 
<laughs> so he leaves by fear and intimidation. So we got occupation, compensation, education, reputation, intimidation. But you know what? But the thing is, we're looking at the wrong things. Those are misconceptions. I got a suggestion. What if we define ourselves based on other Asians, like maturation of how our character and integrity and how we carry ourselves, maturity, you're maturing as a man. What about relationships? Based on our ability to connect with one another, to be able to empathize, to be able to show compassion and sympathy, to serve and support others. What if we define ourselves based on our motivation? I ain't talking about motivation. Oh, he's just driven. No. What is driving the man? Right. What are his motives? Why does he do what he does? Oh, because oh, so he's doing misfit nation because he cares. And he wants to give back. He wants to serve. He wants to empower. He wants to encourage. I want to know your motivation. And guess what? That shows me what kind of man you are. What is driving you? Exactly. And for me, I want to know about his salvation, his faith. It may not be the God I believe in, but I want to know you believe in something bigger than you. What, what is your, 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 your due north compass? What is driving your values? What is, what is most important to you and why? I believe in, but I, but I do want to know, but I do want to know what is leading you, what is guiding you. Um, we only have a limited amount of time on this earth, so I want to know what is driving you. And you, I tell my son all the time, he says, Dad, do you ever, um, are you ever afraid? I say, yeah. He said, what are you afraid of? I say, I'm afraid of a... Um, couple of things i say i'm afraid of somebody who's afraid of truth and i'm afraid of somebody who doesn't have a fear of god um because these people can not only um hurt you they can hurt themselves and they can hurt their relationships but yeah to me we have to redefine um ourselves not based on those other asians but something that's bigger um and stronger than us that will cannot be taken away cannot be dictate dictated by the culture Definitely. And I, I'm a true believer that we're just small specks of what's on this earth or just this place we live in. If you walk outside, especially where you are, you mean, if you walk outside and look up to the lookout mountain, say that's mm -hmm. okay. If you look up from the, from I-24 or whatever, whatever road you're on and look up, you're just a small piece in a large puzzle of what, what the world is. So whether you believe in the same God, like you said, that we believe in or something else, if you, if you worship something else that's bigger than right. you, that's great. You have to understand that we're just small cogs in the whole piece of this whole earth. You know, what was humbling to me when, um, if anybody's ever been on a cruise, um, I'm not talking about the first day you're on the cruise, but when you're out to the sea, especially when it's dark, go out on the deck. And it's, it's the most humbling thing to me. You go out on the deck, especially when there's nobody out there, you go out on the deck and you look up and you look around. And then you think about it for just a minute. It seems like, wait a minute, I'm in the middle of the ocean <laughs> on a little boat. This earth is covered by 75% water. How small and insignificant am I? I'm, I'm like a piece of lint right. <laughs> on this planet right now. Matter of fact, I'm smaller than lint. I'm microscopic. And to think that the creator of the universe cares about me and is mindful of me, I got to believe in something bigger than myself. Because we're, if, you, if there's nothing bigger than us, we're, we're no more significant than ants. And when I'm out there on that ocean, it, every time I go on a cruise, I, I, go, I try to do it every time. I wait till everybody's sleeping. I just go out on the deck. It's freezing usually, <laughs> but to be out in the middle of that ocean and you just look up and you see how it can also be scary too. When you think about how <laughs> that you just on this little, even though it seems like a big cruise ship, you're really small compared to the massiveness of the earth and the planet and the ocean of the body of water. It, it's, it's truly a humbling thing. Definitely. And during the day that water looks green or blue or vibrant, and then at night, it doesn't have that uh, ultraviolet light going into it. So it's now 
just a dark mass looks like oil oil yeah. around you <laughs> this little dart that's in there so i'm sure it's i've never been on a cruise but i can see the see it being a very uh, crazy look at night if you especially oh, if the yeah. person on the deck yeah it is it's very it's very sobering let's put it that way but <laughs> <laughs> well, joe uh, how does someone get in contact with you to say get your advice or even have you on their show and uh, maybe get some tips and tricks to help them uh become better at what they do every day as a man? Oh, that's pretty easy. Um, we say Real Men Connect because that's our that's the name of our organization and that's our website, realmenconnect.com. And, you know, I mentioned earlier before about, um, about having the conversation starters. If they would like a copy of that, all they got to do is go to realmenconnect.com and just you know, either they can email us through that or they can set up a call to talk to me personally. All they have to do is go to realmenconnect.com forward slash call. Um, but they can, if they email me, they can request a copy of that and we'll send it to them. I have my assistant or, or I will send it to them and they'll have a copy of that because we make it, we make it available to as many people as we possibly can to help them communicate better with their wives. But realmenconnect.com, if they want to talk to me personally, they can go to realmenconnect.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. And thanks for sharing everything with us tonight. Uh, I'm glad uh, we were able to connect uh, as two men in the same state that were probably ran by each other in Nashville last week. Didn't even know it while you were, you know, that old, the younger old man at the concert that you went to <laughs> sitting in the back and you were actually dancing. I not, didn't want to show your daughter that you were dancing. You were there having a good time. But I'm sure I passed you up down there driving by or something. But next time you come to town, look me up. We'll, we'll go get that coffee and we'll chat. Well, let's make sure we get each other number, exchange numbers, because you're not that far from me. And so I'm always going up to see my daughter up there. So whenever I'm traveling, I try to connect with as many men as I know in my area. So, yeah, we'll definitely make that happen. So let's make sure we, we exchange numbers. Outstanding. I'll send it to you after this, Joe. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. I like stunning, I like shining, I like million dollar deals, where's my pen, bitch I'm signing, I like those Balenciagas, the ones that look like socks, I like going to the jeweler, I put rocks all in my watch, I like sexes from my exes when they want a second chance, I like proving wrong, I do what they say I can't, they call me party, party, banging body, spicy mommy, hot tamale, hotter than a Somali, bird, go, fuck, Rory, hop off the stool, jump in the coop, they dip on top of the roof, fixing them as hard as I can, eating halal, driving a lamb, so that bitch, I'm sorry though, got my coins like Mario, yeah, they call me Cardi B, I run this shit like Cardi, yo, I'm in district in the chain,
como Celia Cruz tengo el azúcar. azúcar. Tú que va medio y se fue de pecho como Ginny Lucas. Te vamos a tumbar la peluca y arranca pa'l carajo que a ti no te va a pasar la boca. Mi tele y Valenciaga me reciben en la entrada. Pa, 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 sí, like I'm Lady Gaga. Y no te me hagas, eh, que en cover de vivo tú has visto mi cara, eh, no salgo de tu mente, donde quiera que viajes ha escuchado mi gente. Eh. Ya no soy high, high, soy como el testa rosa, rosa, soy el que se la vive y también el que la goza, 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 es la cosa, mami es la cosa, goza, el goza. que mira sufre y el que toca goza, goza, goza. goza. I said I like it like that, I said I like it like that. I said I like it like that I said I like it like that I'm the district in the chain You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Fit Nation.